Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Brian Davis and Denny Suplee here from Spark Rental. Hey, everyone. So as you guys join us, let us know where you're tuning in from. We always like to to hear from you and make this more of a conversation. So it's not just about us. Yeah, we talk to each other enough. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All day, every day. <laughs> so, so last week, we talked all about down payment hacks and how to invest with less. Um, seemed to be received well. And this week... It's going to be all about lessons from the 2008 Great Recession that applies today. Right, Brian? Well, you know, recession is, is back with us again, unfortunately. You know, no one can quite agree on how long that recession will take to recover or how long we'll be in the recession you know, and what shape the, the recession will take, you know, U, V, W, et cetera. But we are, we're there. We're in a recession. So, you know, it's not the exact same recession that we had 12 years ago, but there are some parallels. So it's worth taking a minute to walk through some of the things that we learned from the last recession and applying them to today. And, and you know, because those who, those who don't remember history are doomed to repeat it, right? It's interesting that um, there's so many unknowns in this, but that has some, some background we can follow to at least assist yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a case study of a of a different recession, you know, with different causes. But you know, there are some similarities, and and some things are going to play themselves out similarly again. So, yeah. I mean, without further ado, you know, one of the things that's worth mentioning is that the recovery from recessions typically takes longer than the fall itself. So the economy collapses faster than it rebounds, and you can see that in particular with with stocks. In the average bear market, and by the way, a bear market is a stock market crash of more than 20%. So the average bear market stocks take 13 months from their previous high to reach their low point in the recession. And then they take 22 months to recover from that wow. low point up to their previous high. It's almost so double the time. Nearly twice as long. What's that? It's almost double the time. Right, exactly. So the fall happens faster than the recovery. And that's worth keeping in mind in, in any recession um, and you know, with any stock market crash. Now, it's not just about stocks. You know, the recession impacts you know, everything across the economy. So take a look at unemployment rate. That takes even longer to recover than stocks. Stocks actually recover somewhat quickly. Unemployment rate in the Great Recession the the low point for the unemployment rate in a good way was 4.7% and that was in 2007 and then it jumped up into the double digits and it wasn't until 2016 that the unemployment rate made it back down to 4.7%. Wow. So for context the stock the S&P 500 in the great recession uh, that took 16 months to reach its low point from its previous high. 
And then it took around four years to recover that previous high from its low point. Uh, so in, in 20, it reached a low point in 20, 2009, in spring of 2009. And then it, they recovered their previous high in 2013. But by the time that the S&P recovered its previous high in 2013, unemployment rate was still over 8%. So the unemployment rate tends to take longer to recover than the stock market. So, now, with that being said, the unemployment rates today are because of different circumstances overall. What are your thoughts then on the recovery of this unemployment sequence? So I'm of the impression that we will see a Nike swoosh shaped recovery, <laughs> you know, with the, the very, very quick fall and then a slow protracted upward recovery. So I, I think we're looking at several years uh, wow. to recover the, the jobs lost in this recession. But and the small businesses that have just closed up, and the small businesses. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's something that impacted us quite significantly. I mean, our, yeah. one of our major partners went out of business in May, gave us almost no, <laughs> almost no warning, and they were <laughs> a, our software partner. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to take probably years to recover. Uh, you know the the. GDP lost, the unemployment rate, you know, the jobs lost. I mean, all of these common economic indicators. I, I suspect it's going to be a long road to recovery. And and when, I whether we are um, adversely affected directly or indirectly, it still has an effect on us. It's on everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if most people are earning less money, then most people have less money to spend on, in whatever business you're in. So yeah, I mean, there's a whole trickle down effect throughout the economy. So, and we don't, we don't know where the bottom is for the economy. I mean, the economy grew in, in um, late May and early June. And then, you know, there's been a resurgence in the coronavirus and a lot of businesses have had to close again. So, I mean, we, we don't know exactly where the bottom is here. We may not have hit the bottom both for GDP, for employment, for stocks. We just don't know and how this is all going to unfold. We're still in the midst of it. Who do you think gets hit the worst? Well, in most recessions, and you know, this was certainly true in the Great Recession, the working and middle classes get hit the hardest in recessions. So you know, here's, a, here's an example. It took roughly 10 years for median incomes to recover from the Great Recession. So they hit a high point in 2007, and then they dropped down and didn't recover that income level until 2016. Uh, now we're adjusting for inflation, of course, but but you have to, because <laughs> I mean, you know, a dollar today is, is worth a lot less than a dollar 10 years ago, and a lot less than you know, the dollar's worth 10 years before that, and so forth. So yeah, it took 10 years to recover the median income in the United States from the Great Recession. And the same goes for net worth uh, among the working and middle classes. So the, the among the bottom 50% of Americans by net worth, uh, it took around 10 years for them to recover from the Great Recession. So for them, they hit their peak at that time, around 2008, lost a bunch of money, and then didn't recover the same asset level until 2017 for the bottom 50% of Americans. Now it was much, much faster 
the recovery was much faster for wealthier Americans. So when the top 10% of Americans, they actually recovered their assets by 2011. So way faster <laughs> than yeah. the bottom 50% of Americans. And by 2020, you know, before the coronavirus pandemic, they had nearly doubled their net worth from the Great Recession. So recessions always hit the working and middle classes harder um, or more accurately, they actually, they hit everyone hard, but the recovery is much, much faster for wealthier Americans, which, you know, let's, let's be honest. This is one of the reasons why Denny and I are always trying to encourage you all to build wealth, you know, increase Absolutely. your savings rate, increase your assets, invest more. We want you to become, we want you to get in that top 10% of the country by wealth. Because and it's, it's something that people don't, I mean, this kind of um, stress, I mean, if you look at the numbers, we're 2017, some people were recovering. So what did they get? Three years? <laughs> right. If that, if that. So, you know, these are all reasons why you want, you want to be wealthier. It's Life is better when you're wealthier. So by the way, yeah, Angela, better to Angela have Shepard, a little bit of, oh, sorry, Jenny, I was ahead. just saying it's better to put off some of the stuff that you want now and, and do stuff toward your future to protecting it than to go through the kind of stress people are going through now. Go ahead. I'm right. sorry. So, you know, that's one of the things that we, that we talk about somewhat frequently is you want to save and invest during the good times, during expansionary economic periods, because there's always going to be a recession coming. It's just a matter of when the economy is cyclical, right? So, right in good times, everyone just goes out there and, you know, buys one inch thick steak dinners every night. Right. You know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> um, and then the recession comes and they're, they're eating cold vegetables. <laughs> right. But so you, you want to save and invest your money during those, during the strong years, uh, both for you personally and for the economy at large, so that you are prepared when the recession comes, because it will come. It's like the Starks say on game of Thrones, right? Winter is coming and they're always right sooner or later. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Angela Shepherds here says, uh, where are y'all located? Uh, so I'm down in Brazil at the moment. Well, interesting. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'm in Pennsylvania. So we're all yeah, over. <laughs> uh, I'm not from Brazil, of course, <laughs> as we can tell from my accent. I'm from Maryland. I'm from Baltimore. But uh, Angela, uh, let us know where you're located when you have a second here. Now, here's another lesson from the 08 recession, the Great Recession is that cash is king during recessions. And you know one of the reasons for that is that economic crises create opportunities, but you have to actually have capital in order to take advantage of those opportunities. So in the Great Recession, the average US home price fell over 30%. The S&P 500 fell over 50%. So there, there's a huge opportunity to snatch up assets here on sale, right? On a discount, but you have to actually have money to do it. And right. credit mar markets tighten up significantly during recessions because everyone's defaulting, not everyone, but you know, so many more people are defaulting right. on their loans. So banks and lenders, they tighten up. They don't want to lend money to just any Joe Schmo anymore, like they do during expansionary, during the good times. So you need to have Wealth, you need to have cash on hand. You need to have capital to invest with if you're going to take advantage of the opportunities that come during a recession. And this is one reason why the wealthy come out ahead during recessions and the working and middle classes do not, they, why they get hit so much harder. So 
cash is king during recessions. You want to be able to take advantage of these opportunities and you need capital to do it. It's a lot harder to borrow money to invest with during recessions. It's funny. Um, I don't know. I remember my grandparents and I'm older, so they were around in the depression. And I remember that the cash was like a big thing and they didn't even trust banks and stuff for obvious reasons. So they would, and I never understood it as a kid. I understand it now, obviously, but they would hide cash around their house. Mattress and, money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and not just, you know, a few bucks for, you know, I mean, a significant amount of money that they would keep hidden because you just, that's how they felt. You never knew. Right. Well, in those days, you didn't have the FDIC. I mean, that was implemented during the New Deal, right? So, you know, now, you know, now it is, of course, safe to uh, to leave your money in a bank and right. insured by the federal government. But you you do you want you work with capital during recessions so that you can take advantage of these dips in asset prices. Speaking of which, so Denny, talk to us a little bit about rents versus home values during recessions. Well, they typically drop. <laughs> they typically go down significantly. <laughs> okay, well, let me, let me step uh -huh. in here and bail you out. So, <laughs> so if you look at rents <laughs> over the last um, 50 or 60 years, during recessions, rents tend to flatten out some, but they don't generally drop. Home values sometimes drop a little bit during recessions. They don't normally drop by a whole lot. An exception to that was the Great Recession when home values did drop an average of 30% around the country. Now, keep in mind that all real estate is local, so that's averaging out areas where homes did, didn't drop in price at all and areas where they dropped by 60% in value. So, you know, it's, it's hard to talk about nationwide averages, but rents tend to be pretty stable during recessions. Um, they, they tend to flatten, but they don't tend to drop. So that's useful news for landlords and real estate investors, right? Who can count on their cash flow remaining somewhat consistent. That doesn't mean that their tenants won't default <laughs> on their on their rents right. during a recession if they lose Just their jobs. But at least at least the market rents are not likely to drop significantly during recessions. And again, we're talking about nationwide though, averages, right? And um, I can I can you know like for the areas New Jersey, New York my area, Pennsylvania, all the cities like Philly, um, they are, are getting hit. Like people are leaving the cities and they're running to the suburbs. So the suburbs, the rents have gone in this pandemic have skyrocketed in my area. Um, so, and the buying and everything is still going on. It hasn't really um, affected it as bad, but the city is definitely hurting. Yeah. And we actually, we ran an article a couple of weeks ago about that de-urbanization trend that we're seeing around the country, particularly in the largest metro areas in the country. So I, I put a, a link to that in the comments here if you want to check it out. But we, we ran some of the data on that. And people are, in fact, moving away from the largest cities, not all cities, but the largest cities in the country, and moving to smaller cities uh, and, of course, smaller towns and rural areas as well. Um, but check out some of the graphs in that article because there is some interesting data in there uh, about urban or, or the, the largest metro areas versus smaller smaller cities and smaller metro areas. Which actually brings us to our next point that demand is stronger for affordable housing during recessions. And that's 
intuitive, right? It's kind of obvious, um, but it's not just within a market. It's also across the country. And that's one of the reasons why we're seeing people leaving the most expensive cities in the US. Um, and that's also compounded with some coronavirus related stuff. Obviously, you know, city living has, has not been as pleasant when you're trapped in your tiny little apartment and none of the businesses and amenities are open. Uh, but also with more people telecommuting, you don't have to spend $4,000 a month for a tiny little apartment in San Francisco, you know, just because you work in a tech company out there, you can work from anywhere if you can telecommute. Mm -hmm. So people are like, I'm going to go spend 1200 bucks a month to rent an apartment in Raleigh instead of four grand to rent an apartment in San Francisco. Exactly. So, yeah. So affordable housing tends to do pretty well during recessions, tend to be more stable. Um, people will people who can't afford a luxury home and were kind of stretching themselves to afford that luxury home they're going to downsize and downgrade housing during recessions so keep an eye on affordable housing during recessions it tends to be more resilient than the more expensive stuff and how about taxes taxes you know the, so we're going to stray into political territory here a little bit but we're going to keep it by Ooh. the numbers um so in in tax heavy jurisdictions in areas that that like to tax uh, you have to be really careful about tax hikes during recessions because you know obviously in a recession local governments and state governments are going to see a drop in their revenues right because you know they make money from income taxes from corporate taxes from property taxes from all that stuff which goes down and sales taxes it all goes down during recessions so these local governments see a drop in uh, their revenues. So they have a choice in how to handle that. They can either temporarily cut their spending or they can raise taxes. And, and you know, this is, you do it here, right? Now in, in more liberal states in more, in more tax heavy states and cities, you tend to so you tend to see them rather than temporarily cutting spending, they tend to raise taxes. And I watched this play out in my home state of Maryland in the Great Recession. So there were four new taxes that came about in Maryland in the wake of the Great Recession. Three out of those four were permanent. They never went anywhere after. So that's the problem, right? Is that so in the wake of recessions, these tax heavy states and cities raise taxes, but then they don't cut them down again when the recession ends. They just find other ways to spend the money. As opposed to cities and states that temporarily cut spending during recessions, they do readjust that back because everyone likes to spend money, right? So, you know, red, blue, whoever, like governments like to spend money, you know, regardless of their political stripes. But so that's the, the issue is that areas that cut spending, that's temporary. Areas that raise taxes, that's not temporary. That becomes permanent. So in Maryland, for example, they raised the sales tax from 5% to 6%. They raised the corporate income tax from 7% to 8.25%. They added an extra $1 per pack of cigarette tax. And then they also added a millionaire tax, which was an extra tax on top of the income tax uh, for people with a net worth over a million dollars. And they wanted to keep that permanent, but it backfired so badly that they ended up revoking it so what happened was wow. after when they added that millionaire tax in the following year, they saw a 30% drop in the number of millionaire filers in Maryland. Now, some of that, you know, was, could have been the recession itself, right? Impacting people's incomes. But some, some of it was people uh, stopped filing their income taxes at all in Maryland, 
which suggested that they moved, right? They moved out of state to a state that didn't tax as heavily. So Bank of America and Merrill Lynch ran a study on this actually, and they estimated that $1 billion of tax revenue was lost in 2008 alone due to the millionaire tax that Maryland tried to implement. It was a bit of so, a backfire. Total backfire. So Maryland ended up revoking that millionaire tax and, uh, and it, was, it was quite controversial politically, of course. But Maryland's very blue, when do you so even not, not ever, controversial. <laughs> when do you ever even, I mean, you hear taxes go up. When do you ever see anything go down, really? Well, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a good point. And so, you know, we, you know, we gotta be careful not to get, not to stray too far into political territory here. <laughs> but in my experience, you know, Republicans and Democrats alike, the governments, they love to spend the money. You know, it's just a matter of, it's a difference in whether they borrow money to spend it or whether they raise taxes to spend it. <laughs> but everyone loves to spend money. Less people are so thrilled about going through and, and, spending more responsibly and, you know, cutting spending. Maybe so, they should take, you know, learn fire. Just kidding. <laughs> Maybe they should. Maybe they should. <laughs> so, yeah. So this, to circle this back around to recessions, this is another lesson from the great recession from the 2008 recession that people can learn from today is that in, in jurisdictions that like to tax, be wary about taxes going up to cover the shortfall in tax revenues, it's going to be inevitable from this recession because those tax hikes will not be temporary. Your state and city will find ways of continuing to spend that money even after the economy recovers. So beware of tax hikes and consider moving somewhere with lower taxes, which by the way, we ran an article a few months back about that as well. And there is, there is a correlation between uh, total tax burden. So uh, sales tax, excise tax, income tax, property taxes uh, on a statewide level, there is a correlation between total tax burden and where people are migrating to within the US. It's not a perfect correlation, Right. there is a correlation. So, all right, I'm off my tax soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> this is, Brian loves this so stuff. Here, we'll- um, Thank God. Well, yeah, so we're gonna send another link out here to a piece that, uh, I wrote for Bigger Pockets a couple of days ago with a, this has a lot of visuals and data and graphs in it. Uh, if you're into that stuff, which I am. Um, <laughs> so you can take a look at some of the visuals for these, uh, these, these data points and stats we've been talking about. If you want to check that out. So Denny, anything you want to add uh, before we wrap it up talking about lessons from the great recession that still apply today? Just that we should learn from all of this. You know, it's good to look at it and see the figures and everything. But I think that if nothing else, our recent stuff that's going on teaches us that we need to be prepared. And like you said earlier, we, um, by doing that, it's maybe a delayed gratification now, but um, when everybody else is running around with chickens without their heads on, you guys, you know, less stress. So to me, that's important. Yeah. And, you know, if there, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times from real estate investors who said, man, I wish I'd bought more properties back in 2011, 2012, 2013, you know, when prices were so cheap. They say, oh, I didn't know how good the prices were. Then. I didn't know how good the bargains were. Um, a lot of people didn't have the capital to invest them because you know, they were still recovering from the recession. But assets go on sale during recessions. You want to have capital and cash to invest with it. Absolutely. So. 
Have a great week, you guys. And let us know what you want to hear about um, both on our Facebook Live sessions every week uh, and, of course, on our blog. We love to hear from you and, and what you want to learn about. So, Absolutely. Have a, have great, a great week. week. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side.